just to change it up, I'm actually going to go Dallas, but to no one's surprise. Um, I just like the defense a lot. And, um, and I think the defense has a lot of playmakers. Um, obviously, you look at Micah Parsons immediately. Um, you, you got Lawrence. You got Trayvon Diggs, who I know is a controversial player. Um, Van Der Esch. I mean, this is a top three defense in the NFL this season. Um, and I know they don't really look great against uh, the Texans, but you look at the way that they matched up against really good teams this season. I mean, they've done very well. Hello, and welcome to episode 77 of the Clubhouse Compass podcast. I am joined by Daniel. Daniel, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, semester's over. Um, and really just have nothing else to do. I've been grinding away on some uh, NCAA 14 uh, football. And that's really all my days consist of uh, besides making graphics for the pod. So I can't complain. Yeah, I've been doing much of the same. Evan, I know we stayed up till three last night. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm still really tired, to be honest with you, Connor, but happy to be home, happy to be done with school for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll have another late night tonight knowing us, so uh, maybe might take a, a little nap before then. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing our win streak uh, in Chell after the good Thursday night football game tonight. Actually, I'm actually pretty excited. Should be a good yeah matchup for fantasy um mm-hmm. quick clubhouse today i think it'll probably be quick uh we'll catch up on some mob signings and then we're gonna do a lineup card which we haven't done in probably like 30 episodes but evan has graciously <laughs> made one for us to to kind of run through some basketball and nhl topics as the, the season there's really not much going on right now we're kind of hit mid-season so uh we'll start with baseball Two big signings since we last talked. Uh, Correa signs that big deal to go to the Giants. Uh, they seemingly have loaded up. They also added uh, Ross Stripling and Sean Manaya. Any initial thoughts, Evan? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think the Giants have done well, um, considering they weren't able to get Judge. Um, I like Hanniger a lot, right? Uh, we had talked about that. And Manaya, he's a good pitcher. Stripling is a good pitcher. So they're doing what they needed to do to try to build up this team. Um, and obviously Correa, but um, I'm really just excited to see this NL West arms race. I mean, Dodgers fans hate Correa. Obviously, uh, you know, when they won the World Series against them and then what comes out came out about the Astros that year. And then now he goes to San Francisco and he's going to be playing at Dodger Stadium a lot. So I'm just really excited for that. And then obviously you have the Padres as well. So the NL West is going to be really competitive and I'm excited to see it. Uh, and I'm really excited to see the, uh, some of these Dodger Giant matchups because that to me is the real rivalry in the NL West. No, 100%. Dan? Um, I, I like the Correa signing for the Giants. Um, obviously, uh kind of a down year this year. So I like them being aggressive going out. We knew they're going to spend some money. We, uh, we thought it may go to judge, which they definitely made a contract offer, but obviously they miss out on judge going back to the Yankees, but to get Correa, a talented player. Um, 
I like that for them. And then I do really like the Ross Stripling signing. I know I had him in fantasy like on and off a bunch of times when he went to pitch for the Blue Jays. Um, he's a steady arm and having both him and Manaya last season, I could say I'm actually more comfortable with Stripling than Manaya. Uh, Obviously he has the bigger name, but I think Stripling's more consistent and it's going to be an underrated piece for that uh for that rotation. So I like what the Giants are doing, like both signings. So Yeah, I like the Stripling signing as well. I think the Giants year in and year out have shown they can make, you know, mid level arms uh pitch well. You like look at De Stefani during their run, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, those guys, not big names, but pitchers that are pretty consistent. Like you said, I like the Kraya signing too. I mean I'm happy to get him out of the West or the AL West. That is um, really, I feel like an underrated player. I really had never thought of him as, you know, one of the elite stars, but he's got a top level arm. I was looking, he's third in war over the last three years. He's first in WRC plus like an incredible player, huge ad for the giants. Um, curious. I, I assume he probably plays third base this year. while Brandon Crawford's still there. Uh, just because Crawford's defense is, probably best in the league um but the giants man i mean I, the, you see the dodgers turn around inside Syndergaard in response trying to get some piece after losing turner but the giant i don't know the giants might be the favorite in the west that'll be a really interesting arms race um the other one nimmo uh brennan nimmo re-signs with the mets eight-year deal I feel like it's a deal they kind of had to get done similar to the judge deal he's such a pivotal part uh, of their franchise right now and especially after losing to Grom. I honestly was surprised at the number when I saw it. I mean, I think Brennan was a good player, but I know he's had some health issues in the past, kind of staying on the field. Um, he does a great job at setting the table, kind of at the top of that lineup. But I was a little surprised. I mean, at this point, I don't really think money matters for the Mets. Like, I think they're willing to dish out whatever to get the players that they want. So... Um, when you think of it that way, you like Nemo staying. The price is a little high for me, but again, what's that matter for a team that's just willing to, you know, spend you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars to get these players? Um, I don't have any initial thoughts or I guess reactions to the Brandon Nemo signing, mostly because uh, I'm not familiar with Brandon Nemo as a player. I can gather from what you guys talk about; he's pretty good, but. I guess to the point that the Mets are just willing to spend billions and billions of dollars. I mean, they are so far like above the luxury tax. It's insane how much they're actually spending. Um, And honestly, they may continue to spend. I think Steve Cohen has shown that he doesn't care what it costs to get a world series championship in New York. Um, He's going to do it and I can respect them for that, but it's just so much money going around for the Mets. It's actually, it's just crazy. And I wonder what it's going to look like long-term for them. Yeah. I think I saw a tweet the other day. I think they have spent more into the luxury tax than three teams have spent on their entire payroll, um, which is just such a problem for baseball, but that's a topic for another day. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, before we head off into the lineup card, we've got two big names still on the table. Carlos Rodon, great left-handed arm, and Dansby Swanson. I believe he's up to 11 suitors now that have uh, asked about his services. So any initial thoughts where they're going? I feel like Rodon seems to be headed to New York, um, but Dansby kind of up in the air right now. Well, I'm not going to give a pick on Swanson until the lineup card, so I'll hold off on him. 
Radon, I agree. I mean, I think it's the Yankees. Um, they were kind of that one team earlier uh, that kind of was mentioned. Um, and I know, obviously, the Steinbrenners love to spend. So, again, they kind of need an arm. And I feel like Radon is kind of that piece. You lose Jamison Tyone um, to the Cubs in free agency. So, again, there's a need there. You got to replace them. Uh, and outside of Judge, they haven't really done anything. So I think uh, they'll be willing to spend. And I think that makes sense. I think we all had them there, too. So I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, I I know I predicted him to go to the the Yankees. And um, I, I think when you look at even just the trade deadline, they were somewhat aggressive uh, to go for him, uh, missed out on the opportunity. But I, while I'm thinking of it, like, there is some pause, I guess, for me. Like, this seems like just such a clear, like, connection between Rodone to the Yankees. And the fact that it hasn't happened yet, I know there's a lot of financial stuff that they're probably working through, but it just, for me, it's a little concerning that it's taking this long for them to come to a deal when they're just so closely tied together at this point. Um, I wonder if there is another team that's really in there financially that we just don't know about. But I still believe he'll end up at the Yankees at the end. Yeah, I hope he doesn't, but I it, it seems to be trending that way. I know um, he was – a report came out that he was watching the judge news, and if he had left the Yankees, that Rodon would have taken the Yanks off his list. So I assume uh, with judge staying in New York, that pushes the needle towards New York even more for Rodon. Um, last question. Wait, real quick, can I just get in here? Yeah. Do we think that the Red Sox could be in on Carlos Rodon or no? No. I feel like they could. I mean, they need a pitcher, but are they willing to spend for a top tier arm like his? I don't, that's kind of out of the question at this point. They haven't shown that they're willing to spend on well, pitching. Yeah, and it's also interesting too because if you're the Red Sox, you clearly have a couple holes to fill in your rotation with Michael Waka not re-signed and then Evaldi. Uh, so I don't really know what High Bloom has up his sleeve, but maybe that team that Dan talks about that could maybe kind of be in with the Yankees might be the Red Sox. I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think hypothetically. Like, there's a lot of pressure on the Red Sox to spend right now, and I feel like Redon is, like, one of the bigger names left out there. And, you know, maybe this is kind of something where they just got in late. They're talking, and um, obviously there's a glaring need there for the Red Sox. It's interesting. I will say, like, as much as we crap on Bloom, he does somewhat spend – a little bit on like position players, but I think if you look at some of his principles, like he just does not spend on pitching. I know we just went out and get got Jansen, but I feel like he's very more comfortable finding like the the cheap deals and some of the underrated players to just like perform well in the the rotation and in the bullpen. And obviously they don't work out, but I think that's more of his principle. And that's sort of why I don't think that they'd go after a Rodone and spend the money there. I think as we've seen over the years, you just rather get the cheap deal and try and make it work for one to two seasons and then move on to the next. I don't think a Rodone is kind of in that blueprint uh, type of plan for Bloom. Yeah, that makes sense. I I wish he would have gone out. Like Ross Stripling, I feel like would have been a guy that would have made a lot of sense. Chris Bassett, those like mid to upper tier arms that wouldn't break the bank, I feel like would have been great pickups. Do you think Heim could cave in a some pressure from the fan base in terms of obviously us Red Sox fans, like we want them to do something, especially after Xander left. And I felt like that was almost what happened a little bit with Trevor Story uh, towards the end of last offseason where 
they hadn't done anything and story was out there. And for a while he remained unsigned and then Heim got in there. And I think a lot of fans were happy about it, but a lot of fans were disappointed in what Heim had done up until that point. So I wondered almost if Heim gave in a little bit last year to, you know, to what the fans wanted, because it was obviously Trevor story. This year, it's a little bit more unclear, still a little bit earlier on in free agency, but I think there is that pressure uh, on him uh, from the media and the fans in terms of like, you're a large market team, you have to do something. So I think it is against his principle, and I agree with you, Dan, but I think there is a pressure there on him right now that might not have been there a year or two ago. It's a fair point. Um, I I will, I don't know. I think this just points to Bloom has like no actual plan in front of him. Like last season, I think like story somewhat kind of made sense because like they were contending. They just made the ALCS. Like let's get another bat um, that just had a good season and try and contend. But then throughout the entire season, they're like, oh no, we're still building. We're building for the long term. Like it, it seemed like a signing that seemed like, hey, we're contending. We're going for it. But then what they're telling us is like, no, we're still building. We're trying to figure this thing out so we could have long-term success. And yes, you can have the the two at the same time, but it, it I think it just points to, he has no fucking clue what he's doing. And to that point too, right? Like maybe initially going into the off season last year, they kind of wanted, obviously they let Schwarber go. They traded Renfro. So at that point, maybe they were like, all right, let's look at the long, long term. And then, you go into free agency and then that pressure builds and then they are forced to sign story. And that's probably not even what Heim wanted to do. So to your point, I don't know if there's even a plan there. Oh, that's fair. Only time will tell. Um, Snap world series pick right now before we move on. Hmm. Did you say a world series pick? Yeah. If you had to pick right now, who would you pick? Um. Oh. Mm. I'm gonna go Padres right now in the West. Um, uh, and they're probably gonna win that division. Um, I just like their rotation and their lineup a lot, and I think they got some really good experience last year. And to not get you know over the hump last year against Philadelphia, I think they'll be motivated to do it this year. Um, in terms of the American League. Ooh. Got to be Houston. I just don't think anyone's beating Houston. So I'll go Houston, San Diego. And I'll pick San Diego to win just because I don't want to see Houston win it again. Um, I just feel like the West is going to beat up on each other. Like, I know it doesn't matter once you make the postseason, but I just feel like they're going to beat up on each other so much that for me, and it's probably a biased pick, but I'm just trying to think of it in my head. I'm going to go with the Phillies again. Like, I know Harper's going to be coming off of surgery, but you just need his bat. And then they've still made some pretty good additions, uh, especially to the, the rotation and bullpen like we've talked about. So I really like the Phillies because they haven't lost a lot, and they've been making some good additions. Um, so you kind of pair that, but then they got to deal with the Mets. But, oh, shit. No, I'm still going to go with the Phillies. I'm going to have my bias pick in there. Um, and then I feel like for the AL, eh, I'm going to go with the Yankees for that. Wow. It just feels like it's time. Judge is coming back. Astros have lost some key pieces. So it's going to be 
rematch Yankees Phillies in the World Series, and then then I'll go with the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go Astros and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Mets. I'll ride the Mets. Um, but I think the Astros probably win. Um just go back to back. They're just even when they lose pieces, they just have other pieces that they are just get better. <laughs> all these all these no name pitchers from three years ago were all Cy Young candidates now. It's ridiculous. I know. Uh, I will just say I, real quick, I just saw a report that the Yankees don't sign Carlos Redon. They're expected to turn to Evaldi actually to maybe bring him back to New York. So one of them lets up so many dingers. I know. That's funny. Oh my. Um all right, Evan, I throw it over to you to uh do the lineup card. Yeah, so bringing back lineup card, if you kind of forget what the lineup card is, it's not a series of nine uh, questions, multiple choice. We'll kind of go around uh the table here and each person will kind of give their answer and give a quick explanation of why they chose what they chose uh so get kind of getting into it we'll start with major league baseball uh and we'll start with free agency still ongoing with carlos correa trey turner and xander bogarts off the board dansby swanson is the prize shortstop available where does he end up connor i will start with you the red sox dodgers braves and cubs are the options Definitely not the Braves. I'd say probably not the Red Sox. I think it comes down to Dodgers, Cubs. Uh, I think the Cubs, I'd probably go with the Cubs. I think they seem more likely right now, but I would not be shocked at all to see the Dodgers just swoop in and, and scoop him up and have him fill in for Trey Turner. But I, I would like to see him with the Cubs, see the Cubs be more competitive. I'm going to say yeah. Dodgers. Um, I I know the Cubs for some reason are spending money, even though like they decided like a year or two ago to sell some assets. But I think the Dodgers are just going to be willing to spend more money on a guy like Swanson to kind of fill out the rest of their lineup and really uh, make another run uh, for the World Series. So I kind of think Dodgers makes a lot of sense. Colin is choosing the Cubs. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I agree. That's what I initially had. I thought a lot about kind of uh, his relationship with Freddie Freeman. Uh, and that being something that might drive him there. Um, again, Southern California, beautiful place, um, awesome stadium. And again, you get that with Wrigley, but the team's just better in Los Angeles. And I think, you know what, all these players want to win. Uh, he got a taste of winning, obviously, with Atlanta a couple years ago. So I think it's something where he'll end up with the Dodgers. Going into our next question, obviously it's been – Tough sledding for Red Sox fans in the high boom era. Obviously, with this whole uh, most recently uh, botched Sander Bogart situation, and with Devers still, you know, not signed, there seems to be no real discussion ongoing. Um, as far as moves that have already happened, though, which move has hurt you the most? Uh, A. No Schwarber extension. B. Sander Bogarts to San Diego. C. Mookie bets to Los Angeles for Verdugo. And then D. Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. Dan, I'll start with you. Um, I have to go with Xander to San Diego. Um, and really the reason being, like, I feel like Mookie, we knew for a while, he wasn't going to come back. Like, we were kind of mentally prepared for that. Renfro for JBJ, as much as I didn't like it, it's it, it's two kind of utility players in a way that are being traded. Um, and then Schwarber, he was only here for a short amount of time. Um so you didn't really get to have that connection with Xander, like 
nine years with the Red Sox. Um, and then it kind of did just happen out of the blue. We were really hurt with the news that like all discussions are picking up. And then out of nowhere, San Diego comes in with this huge offer, like, and like the deal happened at like 1130 at night. So I feel like that move definitely hurts. Um, Cause not only do you lose a talented player, you lose uh, the captain of the ball club. Um, somebody that a lot of people in Boston appreciated uh, and looked up to. So that that's definitely the move that hurts the most um, as a fan, but I think even from an organization standpoint. Connor? Honestly, I have to go with the Renfro trade. I mean, they make that deal. It's a horrible deal. And then the lockout immediately happens like the day after. And we spend months thinking, oh, what time got up his sleeve? Is he going to resign Schwarber? Is he going to go out and use that money on a big name? Is he going to make another trade? And then the offseason comes and goes, and he hasn't done jack shit. And all we did was trade a guy who hit like 30 bombs for the guy with the worst average in all of baseball the year before. <laughs> when you could have resigned Renfro or resigned Schwarber with the money that you just made. But no, we just got rid of our biggest bopper for the shittiest player in the league. Cohen said Bogarts to San Diego. I'm going to go with the no Schwarber extension. Um, you know, I could have picked the Bogarts one, but, you know, I felt like that was inevitable kind of when we got to this offseason. Going into it, I felt like he was gone anyway, given how they really hadn't talked about anything. Um yeah, I just felt like that was uh, what was going to happen. Uh, and then not signing Schwarber, I mean, that was a move where you go into the playoffs last year and you, you have such good success for two years ago. You have such good success. You make it to the LCS against Houston. Um, and Kyle Schwarber, I mean, fit in perfectly. He's a Massachusetts guy. Um, just was hitting big bomb after big bomb in the postseason. Yeah, he didn't hit the, for the best average, but it was a hometown guy coming home. And playing, uh, you know, leading off in that lineup, uh, just setting the table for, for the other great hitters that we had. And I felt like you let him go. And then at that point, it was a weird move because then you look at kind of how the lineup was structured. I felt like they never had a consistent leadoff guy last year. Um, and it really kind of set the table for what was to come in terms of like, this is what is expected. We're not going to keep guys that contribute. And then obviously now Bogarts goes and, and you see kind of what's all happened. So I just think that was the first move before everything went to shit. So I'm going to go back to when times were good in that first question. Um, turning to the NBA, there are a lot of obviously incredible players in the NBA this year. Um, but who's the most valuable player to their team? Tatum to the Celtics, A. Doncic to the uh, Mavericks, B. Giannis to the Bucks, C. Jokic to the Nuggets, D. Connor, what do you got? It's got to be Luka. I mean, the Celtics have other pieces. Brown has been a staple of consistency for years. I mean, the Bucks have a couple other pieces, and the Nuggets have Jamal Murray. But the Mavericks have what? Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith? Like, I mean, without Luka, they are bottom of the barrel, worst of the worst. And, I mean... They're sitting in ninth in the West right now. Not to say that they've been great, but, I mean, it's pretty much all due to Lucas' play right now. He's just such a unique player. I enjoy watching him play any chance I can get. I think you take him away. They're fucks. Dan? Yeah, this has to be Luca. Um, 
I know we can look at like the awards and like all the stats and stuff, but I think when you just look at how bad a team would be without their star player, like Connor said, the Mavericks would just be bottom of the barrel, fifteenth uh, in the conference or what? However many teams there are in the West, they would be last. Uh, Luke is just that talented and that dynamic of a score that I think if you took him out of Dallas, they're they're just left with nothing and they'd be terrible. So I'd have to go with Luca. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you guys and Colin does as well. I think we saw that in the playoffs last year, especially against Golden State. Felt like you know he was lighting the world on fire, and they were still losing games where he was put up 40 plus and playing out of his mind. And I think it's exacerbated itself this year for Dallas. I I love Dallas coming in this season. I had them. First or second in the West, like I was really high on them coming in, and a lot of it was Toluca, um, and I felt like they had decent role players. But again, I think it's just proving that this year that loss of Brunson uh, has really hurt them. Uh, moving into our fourth question, it kind of just a hypothetical here that I kind of liked. Um, if the Celtics don't win the championship this season, it will be because X eliminated them in the playoffs. A Warriors, B Bucks, C Grizzlies, D Nuggets, E Cavaliers, and F Nets. Dan, I'm going to start with you. Who are you picking? Well, so I'm looking at the standings right now, and hypothetically, if we just went to the playoffs and all the higher seeds won, I think Boston would end up playing the Nets in the second round. Um, so I'd have to go with the Nets, but I am intrigued by what the Cavaliers are doing. I really like Donovan Mitchell on that team. Um, but I think just hypothetically speaking and how the season looks right now, uh, if everything was to play out as it stands, I'd have to pick the Nets just because of positioning and how talented they are. Yeah, it, it would definitely be interesting to see how we hold up against the Cavs. I feel like they just have so much depth that it'd be hard to stop them all. I think I have to agree, though. The Nets uh, would definitely be the ones to knock us out. I just think Durant can have one of those playoffs at any moment where he scores, you know, 50. And Tatum, all it takes is Tatum to go back to having, like, a stinker every other day. And uh, Durant and uh, Kyrie just smack us. Not to mention Ben Simmons is, like, getting better. If you can even say that. <laughs> um. I see the Celtics making their way to the finals, so I'm going to pick a team in the West. Um, I'm going to pick the Warriors. Uh, I just feel like the Warriors are a team. I know right now they're 10th. They lost to Indy last night by a good amount. Um, but I think they're a team that plays so well at home, and also I feel like they're obviously going to get in the playoffs at some point uh, here, and um, they'll turn it up. So – uh, and, and you look at kind of the matchup that they played this season uh, in Golden State uh, with the Warriors winning. just feel like the Warriors have the Celtics number, whereas teams like the Nets right now, I mean, the Celtics have owned the Nets in the last, uh, obviously looking at last year's playoff and then kind of their matchup this season. So uh, I'm going to go with the Warriors. I think the Celtics have a clear path to, uh, to the finals, though. Uh, I just don't see a team standing in their way. And if a team were to, I would say Milwaukee. Colin says the Bucs and the Cavs are the only teams I can see being Boston in those matchups. Um, moving into our fifth question, a similar question, uh, looking at Dan's Eagles here. Eagles right now, a one-loss team, best uh, record of football. If the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl this season, it will be because X eliminated them in the playoffs. A, Cowboys, B, 49ers, C, Vikings, D, Chiefs, E, Bills, and F, Bengals. 
So three teams in the NFC, three teams in the AFC. Newman, who do you got? Uh, if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be the Niners for me. I just think the recipe to beat the Eagles is don't let them have the ball uh, because they will just run so much clock uh, with that run game. Uh, they're currently seventh in time of possession, but the Niners, surprisingly enough, are fifth. Uh, they eat up a ton of clock. Uh, so I think for them, with D'Amico Ryan's dialing up something to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, Although he has been a fantastic passer this year, uh, which we'll get to in like 30 minutes on the other pod. <laughs> Go listen to that. Um, but I think if you can somehow contain him uh, and work the clock with your plethora of running backs and weapons, uh, even with Brock Purdy at the helm, I think they have a decent shot. Dan, the Eagles fan, what do you got? Well, let's just cut to the chase. The Eagles are not going to be losing again. Um, but if I had to answer this hypothetical, um, I agree with the Niners. Um, I think as it stands, just the Cowboys going back in the Philly to try and, uh, beat the Eagles. I don't see it happening. Um, I think the teams match up very well against each other, but I think just that home field advantage, uh, is very key for, um, the Eagles versus the Cowboys. But I think when you look at the Niners, that defense is so good. Um, I think it's miles better than any other defense in the league right now that that's going to translate. And I think that we've also seen the Kyle Shanahan system is so adaptable to whoever the the players are, whoever the signal caller is, um, whether it be Brock Purdy, whether it be Josh Johnson, even that quarterback. Um, I I don't think it matters that Niners offense is still going to put up points. And that's very scary come playoff time. And it's something that I think this Eagles defense maybe won't be able to handle the different variety that Kyle Shanahan can throw at them. And then not to mention, again, the defense uh, against Jalen Hurts and all those uh, weapons. I think it could really neutralize the run game, which will affect the, the pass game. So I'd have to go with the Niners. Um, Colin told me 49ers, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, he could see all happening. Um, just to change it up, I'm actually – gonna go Dallas but to no one's surprise um Ooh. I just like the defense a lot and um and I think the defense has a lot of playmakers um obviously you look at Micah Parsons immediately um you, you got Lawrence you got Trayvon Diggs who I know is a controversial player um Van Der Esch. I mean this is a top three defense in the NFL this season um and I know they don't really look great against uh the Texans but you look at the way that they matched up against really good teams this season I mean they've done very well and in the matchup where the Eagles played Dallas already this season um it was cooper rush at quarterback um so i think getting dak prescott back and look i don't think dak's like the best of the best amongst quarterbacks but i think he's certainly better than cooper rush and you look at kind of the receivers they've really done a great job incorporating tony pollard into the offense they have three good tight ends um noah browns looked really good you still got gallup you got cd lamb who's been unbelievable this season again so in terms of the weapons on offense and defense I think the matchup is there where I think the Eagles could win that sort of matchup is, uh, is on that defensive line. I think Dallas lost a, and I don't know if it was steel. I'm trying to remember which offensive line has done for the year. Um, so I think if the Eagles were to have success in that matchup, it would be up front. Um, but I'm just going to say Dallas. And again, you noted that Dan on the last sling in it pod. I mean, this could be definitely be a first round matchup this season. Um, moving into question six. Who is the next NFL head coach that gets canned? A. Lovey Smith, B. Nathaniel Hackett, C. Cliff Kingsbury, 
or D, Dennis Allen, or you can go off the board if you'd like. Dan, what do you got? So I think in terms of the the word next, um, Lovey Smith, the Texans are just so bad. I think they'll just let him finish out the year. Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray just got hurt. Um, they'll let him just kind of ride it out until he gets canned. And then Dennis Allen, somehow the Saints are still in it, so they'll kind of just keep him around. The only team that's just terrible compared to expectations and has nothing really affecting their outlook the rest of the year is the Broncos at 3-10. and 10. So Nathaniel Hackett, it's just been a train wreck. To just get him out. I, I feel like it just takes another bad loss um, for this to eventually happen, especially now uh, Russell Wilson dealing with the concussion protocol. Um, it, it's it's just such a bad look for him um, and Russell Wilson and the whole Broncos team that it, you just need to start over, find someone else that could work with Russell Wilson, if anyone even can. Um, so I'd have to go with Nathaniel Hackett. Connor? Yeah, I'd love Hackett to stay, but uh, anytime you hire a professional clock manager or whatever after week two i think it says a lot about your abilities as a head coach he's clearly in over his head uh, and needs to be fired immediately um yeah no i agree colin agrees um and i think it's so crazy to look back to week one against seattle where you had the opportunity to start one and oh and immediately like people question hackett right after that game in terms of Again, that clock management on the road there in Seattle and in terms of kicking that field goal instead of going for it. So I think there were – it's been crazy. Like from week one, this guy's been under heat. And uh, it's just ramped up, and he's done a horrible job. And I think it's crazy because I still think Russell Wilson has some something left in the tank. I just think you need the right head coach there. Uh, and maybe next year you can turn it around. Moving into the NHL, Toronto Maple Leafs have won four in a row and have gone 9-0-1 in their last 10. True or false, this is the season that they make it out of round one. I feel like we've been doing this hypothetical since the podcast started. Um, Connor, yes or no, do they get out of round one? It's probably going to be against Tampa Bay, so what do you got? They're not making it out of round one. Unfortunately, the way that the NHL refuses to go back to the one through versus eight format, they're stuck either playing Tampa, who is proven to just not lose in the playoffs, or Boston, who they simply can't beat in the playoffs. So they are better off right now tanking and trying to hop onto the Metro side against the Devils or something where they have a much better chance. But I don't know, man. I mean, the goalie tandem has been fantastic. I give a lot of credit uh, there for that. I know we questioned them at the beginning of the year, but I don't know. It's, it's such tough sledding for anyone in the East. Well, the problem for them before I go to Dan is that in order to get on the Metro side, I mean, you have to do some serious tanking because in fourth place, you have Detroit 13, 10, and six at 32 points. That's 12 behind Toronto already. So Toronto would would be very tough for Toronto to get on the other side of the bracket at this point. Dan, what do you got? Um, I'm not a big hockey guy, so I'm not going to act like I even know what the standings look right look like right now. But I'm going to say no, just because the Maple Leafs, they're cursed. They'll never do anything. You can bring in all the all-stars, put them on Toronto. They'll still find a way to lose. Um, so I'm going to have to say no. They won't make it out of the first round. Colin says false never. I'm going to say no as well. Um, I think they could push it to seven. At this point, though, I just don't know 
how you go into the playoffs, and I've said this for a while, with a goaltending tandem. I think it's got to be one clear-cut guy. you got to go in and play one guy. Because then if you start mixing and matching, which hypothetically I think they might consider doing the way both have played, that gets messy. And obviously we saw it with Vegas uh, in the past and and how it cost them with Leonard and Flurry. So uh, I don't see it unless one goalie kind of jumps ahead of the other. Um, going to the other conference, the Vegas Golden Knights currently lead the Western Conference with 43 points. Obviously, Bruce Cassidy, former Bruins coach at the helm there. Are you taking Vegas or the field to represent the West in the Stanley Cup final this season? Dan, what do you got? I'll take Vegas. Um, from the little that I looked at the standings a little bit ago, uh, and by a little bit ago, I mean three weeks ago, um, It, I think Vegas, obviously, like you say, at the top of the West, but I think you also just add in the fact that, that Bruce Cassidy, how it kind of ended in Boston, I think he's definitely got a chip on his shoulder to prove himself. Vegas, very talented team uh, down year last year. Um, so I, I like Vegas's chances. If I recall, Colorado is not that hot out the gate this year. Um, so that's really the only competition I would see for Vegas, but I think they'll pull through. Um, and I think Cassidy's really just trying to, to prove himself uh, that he's a good coach because we all know he's a good coach, but obviously Bruins front office did not think so. Connor? I think I got to play the field right now. I just think they've kind of hit a wall where Logan Thompson has stopped being Superman. I think the the back-to-back-to-back starts is catching up to him. I think right now I have to ride Dallas, who I was super high on to begin the year, or maybe in Edmonton if they can figure out how to stop pucks. Um, but, I, I mean, Vegas has been fantastic. All credit to Cassidy. He's done a fantastic job. I could certainly see them making a run similar to uh, in their first season, but I'm going to ride Dallas for now until they give me a reason not to. Um, Colin says Vegas. Uh, there's, for me, three teams I could see beating Vegas. I think one, obviously, you got to look at Edmonton, right? And you mentioned that, Connor. Just with the way Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are playing this year, like, you have to, to take them seriously. And I know they're currently um, in a wild card spot, but that's team is just too gifted offensively and Zach Hyman's really turned it on as well and then I look at Dallas like you said Connor I was really high on Dallas coming in you were too uh, and what Jason Robertson in that top line has been able to do is incredible and then I like Winnipeg a lot too Connor Hellebuck's playing out of his mind um, and he's just in general been one of the best goalies over the last few years so uh, to me uh, you look at a Connor Hellebuck versus Logan Thompson matchup in a Stanley Cup final uh, series. And I think Winnipeg has that clear edge. Um, moving into our last question, obviously we're all home from break. Collins heading home tomorrow. What is the best part of being home from school over break? I just said for A, giving my liver a break, because that's going to be nice. Uh, B, spending some time with friends and family. C, Christmas Day festivities. Or D, just the hype leading up to Christmas. I know it's not the same as it used to be, but it's still pretty exciting. Dan, I'll start with you. What do you got? Um, spending time with uh, friends and family. Um, obviously, there's a ton of friends back at home that you can't hang out with uh, while you're away at college. I know, especially for me with football season, I'm so busy on the weekends and stuff, uh, even during the week, that I just don't get to see those guys. So that's nice. And then uh, hanging out with the family, whether it be my family or the girlfriend's family, um, it's always fun, uh, family parties and stuff. So 
while there is no break for the liver when it comes to that stuff, um, <laughs> definitely hanging out with friends and family is uh, a big part of winter break. No. Nope. Well, my liver is in pristine condition. So. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. No, it's it's good to see friends and family. Um, I was playing Fortnite with my brother earlier, which I normally wouldn't do, but it's good to have us both home. Um, I love the Christmas spirit shit. I love gingerbread houses. So I'm going to do cookies with my grandmother. On top of like the Christmas Day football, the bowl games, all that stuff. So it's a great all-around month. December is a good month. Colin says... Uh... Just being home is sick. Christmas is awesome, but no school for a month is really the best part. Um, if I had to pick something, I'd probably say just the hype leading up to Christmas. Um, I love uh, just Christmas music, the holiday spirit. Um, anyway, that ties into spending time with friends and family, but just it's special. It's special. You get it once a year. Uh, and when Christmas Eve comes around, like it's just it's a great vibe. So I would go with that. Um, but that wraps up the first line of card in like 30 episodes. Um, and I'll throw it back over to Connor to wrap the episode. Yes. I mean, there's really not much to say. It's we're done with the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to go record our football podcast. Go check that out. Slinging a deep pod. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. If we don't record again before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. Peace. Peace. Bye later. Put your tears away, ain't no fear today You can drive off towards that summertime sunset It's what you ain't done yet, take the keys, leave the regrets Write your letters, place your bets, I'll be the one who accepts